Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience here at the Green Man Festival, and from, uh, you know, the natural world to try and figure out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. We're putting together a to-do list for human evolution. Top of that list is to make us less listless. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by three sculpted lumps of matter in the forms of our guest. In my immediate left, we have the comedian deciding which idea we're going to incorporate into our species. It's Jack Hill. Uh, Jack, you've got an incredible CV here because not only are you a synthetic biologist, is that the word? Yeah, that's the two words, yeah. I don't mean like a biologist who's synthetic. No, 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 no. Someone who's trying to uh, take biology and change it using synthetic techniques. You were also at one point um, the Chortle Student Comedian of the Year, is that right? Quite a while ago, yes, that's Is that why you did a PhD, just so you could hold on to your title for longer? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. Cling on to students and universities as long as possible. That's correct. Perfect. He's going to be choosing which of our ideas are going to go forward into the next stage human evolution but pitching ideas to them uh, on this side we have Haley Pye <laughs> Haley you have quite a, a, a range of um, research things so like you're trying to figure out why people have cancer more or less tell us yeah, a little bit yeah, about why you do research. what you do and yep. what you do um, so my background was biochemistry and then I was doing things that were very very scientific very detailed very in the lab and then something changed in my life. My mom got ill with cancer and I suddenly realized, you know what, we can do something that really inspired me. So now I'm in the clinic. Every day I'm working with patients and prostate cancer in particular at the moment. And we're trying to work out better diagnosis and better stratification of disease. In short, Haley is a very good person and we need more of them. <laughs> this is one of the reasons we need more scientists all the time. We can see why her expertise will help us tackle the ideas going forward. And also in the far right, we've got Maddie Cook. Yay! Uh, now, Maddie, um, you're here with a friend called Martha. I am. We have a, a big chamber back in London, and she's called Martha. And basically, she's the bane of my life. Um, she puts down tiny atoms one layer at a time, um, but we couldn't bring her here today, so we made one out of a dustbin. 
Um, and we have a nice <laughs> vacuum chamber in there. You can watch marshmallows. I'm probably showing my age here, but the more you describe this, the more it sounds like Bertha. <laughs> for the people who uh, remember that. Well, we have a lot of people who say it sounds a bit like Dusty Bin. If you come and look at her, she looks a bit like Dusty Bin, if anyone knows. But what's the point of Martha? Why do you actually use her? So basically, we need to make technology smaller and faster. So some of you remember the 3310, um, and your phone in your pocket now does a lot more than that. So um, there's always a push to, to make technologies faster and smaller, and one of the ways to do it is to make really, really pure materials. So um, that's what she does. Cool. Chemists making pure materials. We haven't seen that since Breaking Bad, have we? <laughs> Perfect. Well, well, not only are we taking suggestions from our panel, who you can see why their expertise matter, but we're getting ideas from our wonderful audience here at Einstein's Garden at the Green Man Festival. Give everyone a warm welcome, please. <laughs> All right. Before we leap into the future and try and figure out what we're going to add to our species, each of our panel have brought along a news story with them so we can kind of see the weird stuff that is happening right now. Uh, why don't we start with you, Haley? What news story has grabbed your eye? Okay, this story grabbed my eye. Headline was, uh, this blood test can tell you every virus you've ever had. I love that idea. Why do we want to know every virus, and is that not terrifying? <laughs> <laughs> no, so... This is kind of a weird way. They've just flipped something on its head, something we've known about for ages, a new technology we've always used, and they've just changed the way they use it, which is one reason I love science. Beautiful ideas like this. So when you have a virus, it leaves a footprint on your immune system, and it leaves things in your blood. And these people are taking a tiny little droplet of blood, and they've managed to almost look back into the past and see these shadows that have been left in your blood from all your viruses. And the applications of this are more for us scientists. It means we can do huge studies where we can look at populations and we can look at all different types of people with different diseases and see what viruses they've had. And if, as well as leaving these shadows in the blood, in the immune system, they've left shadows elsewhere and they're causing these problems with other diseases. I think this is wonderful, but you're making it sound increasingly like this is going to turn on to Pokemon and we're going to see how many we can get, if we can get a record all this time. Uh, there's is that horrible side of cancer research sometimes where you're kind of looking for things and things like that. You kind of, you get really excited about sort of finding disease in people and then you have to take a step back and kind of go, oh. Actually, this is someone's life, and we scientists sometimes forget about that and get really excited about, this guy's got 20 viruses, yes! And it's like, oh, no, actually. <laughs> is it scary that somebody could get hold of a drop of blood from a partner, for example, and find out there may be a slightly uh, nefarious history? <laughs> well, that wouldn't matter, surely. The past is the past. Okay. What we do at Green Man Festival is uh, our own. <laughs> Perfect. Well, what's grabbed your eye, Jack? What have you seen in the news lately? So I have a news story about a group of scientists who have genetically designed a new strain of bacteria that spins out very thin uh, nanowires that are very highly conductive, made out of amino acids. And what does that actually mean? So they produce <laughs> little wires made out of uh, the same things that make up proteins in our body, and these wires conduct electricity, and they're super, super thin, and they're doing research now to try and make those wires longer so that we could use them in solar panels and in uh, electronic systems. That is really cool. That's really amazing. That's quite exciting. Cool. What, what's, actually, out of interest, audience, um, if you had some tiny wires, what would you do with them? Can we get a microphone to a little... Um, the man who's seasoned at this and has already been on radio wheels. Because <laughs> I do want to hear your answer. What would you do with a tiny wire? Um, I would wrap you in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could actually happen in the near future, which is why I'm backing away slowly. <laughs> okay. What about you, uh, Maddie? What's, uh, what's grabbed your eye, Maddie? What have you seen in the news? 
Uh, so not quite as profound as the other two, but it's nanotechnology in your shampoo bottle. And uh, basically, um, there are nanotechnologists have managed to create a new type of material that means you can get that last drop of shampoo out of your bottle. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, it's changing life straight away. It's that annoying bit right at the bottom, because actually shampoo, when you look at it under a microscope, looks a bit like pollen, so it's got lots of little hooks on it, which actually helps clean your hair. But when it's stuck to plastic, it's actually a bit of an issue. And it's also a biological issue. So when you chuck it away, um, the detergents and some of the shampoos go into the, the waters and things, and that's, that's not ideal. So really, to get that last drop out is, is quite a big deal. It's about to save waste as well, actually, isn't it? Yeah, so the amount that you actually get out isn't a huge, huge amount um, that we chuck away. But hopefully, you know, over time, over the many, many years that we live, we might save a bottle or two, and I think that every little helps. <laughs> and you might scientifically prove if, in fact, we actually are worth it. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Well, a couple more he heflings along the way, just for life. Okay, well, you can see that's the kind of stuff that is happening right now, but we're going to take this forward. We're going to try and improve humanity... So, uh, Jack, what kind of thing are you hoping to hear from our panellists and our guests here at Green Man? So, as well as the ideas for improving individual human beings, the main thing I'm looking out for is ideas that will improve humanity at a large scale. So, if you say we're going to have wings, I don't want it to be because it would be cool to fly. <laughs> I want it to be because this would benefit humanity by, I don't know, flying over places and dropping food parcels or something. That's, oh. that's a bad example, but, you know, you, you guys can think of a good example. I've often thought that because, actually, you know, I, I often look up at birds and think that I'd love to be able to fly up high and poo in my neighbour's car. Yeah. <laughs> and like I live in London now. I'd poo in all the statues. I mean, Nelson, he'd get it. And, you know, probably there's a couple of statues of Newton as well. And just to kind of rub his nose in the whole anti-gravity thing, I'd really go for it over him. Well, I'm looking for things that everybody could have. So Nelson would then... Is it Nelson your neighbour or are you talking about Nelson's column? Oh, Nelson's okay. column. I <laughs> okay, fair enough. But your neighbour would have it as well. So if he can fly slightly higher than you, then you, you know it's going to be a big poo stack of humanity. So <laughs> we've got to think about what's going to be good for everybody. You've built mutually assured poo destruction into this. <laughs> it's a wonderful idea. Okay, then. So try and impress him. Why don't we start with you this time, Maddie? What is your pitch for improving our species? Uh, so my pitch would be, um, no offence to biologists, but I really think the future of humanity will involve a lot of tech. So... I think incorporating tech into your human um, human experience would basically mean that we can uh, improve the way we move and the way we think a lot better. So the technologies that I'm currently using um, are rivaling other technologies, but the other technologies use arsenic, and you don't really want arsenic anywhere near your body, whereas I use zinc and oxygen. So um, zinc you can find in your cereal you have every day, and oxygen you're all breathing now. So I'm thinking that my technologies will help basically create a whole new load of uh, robocops and um, a million dollar million dollar men but without the soundtrack unless you particularly wanted a soundtrack then i'm sure we can incorporate that as well how expensive is zinc like are you going to be making like a poundland man instead <laughs> probably more like poundland but that's a good thing because then it's more yeah, everyone can have a little bit of an upgrade um every now and again so the more you can incorporate it and then the cheaper it gets but zinc is pretty cheap and it's abundant so lots of things in your phones are made of rare metals and the kind of hints in the title they're pretty rare so we kind of want to move away from those so zinc is great and oxygen while well, you're breathing it now so it's pretty pretty abundant too so is this a danger that uh, your idea is that we all essentially become kind of bionic people is there a danger that we'd all become bionic people over in the western world and the rest of humanity would actually lose out because they'd be dominated by their new robot overlords <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. I think there's always to do with science. There's a lot of ethics. Um, and you kind of have to think, as scientists, 
we just want to make things better. And then I think a lot of governing bodies then take it to the, the darker extremes where you uh, become overlords. Um, but I think that being able to upgrade people, uh, we will be able to see that people have exoskeletons and people who have never been able to walk or have had a spine injury are now starting to be able to, to move because of these exoskeletons and that kind of wearable technology and integrating that more and more in with what we are, I think will just make the, the human experience better overall. So what would be the next step then? We've got things like bionic arms and stuff for people who've had uh, yeah. you know, their limbs cut off. Um, what's, the, what's the next sort of step? Because there's a big jump between one <laughs> arm and a whole bionic yeah. body, right? What's so a lot of it is mapping out um, the way the brain send the electric, uh, the electric signals. That's what they're called. And I think that once that, so that's more biology, that's less of my field. I'm definitely more of the applications end. But uh, once the biologists have got that, then us engineers will have a, have a field day making loads of other things that can basically sense these little tiny electrical impulses and then do something with them. Well, I'm so glad you're leaving the small problems to us. <laughs> okay, this might sound like a very obvious question, bearing in mind what you say, but what is so bad about arsenic? Why don't I want an arsenic thumb? Well, arsenic is a poison to humans. So basically, if you put it anywhere in your body, you're poisoning your body quite heavily. Whereas zinc, um, as I said, you ingest it every day. Are you funded by big zinc? <laughs> <laughs> I really should take out stocks. I really should. Is that actually, is that the future? Why is, it, why is zinc the one? And if it's in our cereal, why is it in our cereal? <laughs> <laughs> well, zinc, zinc is... Ever, so like iron, you can often... I, I've, some people have seen the experiment where you put a magnet near cornflakes and actually some of them have such high iron levels that they're actually magnetic. Um, there's natural metals in a lot of things that we eat daily, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way we're built. So our blood has iron in it, and that's why we need it. Don't, don't, don't just throw that away of saying you've got <laughs> magnetic cereal. Like, are we going to be sticking Frosties on our fridges in the very near future? Yeah. Wow. So we have small amounts of trace metals all throughout our body. So we've got lots of iron in our blood, which binds oxygen and helps the blood carry oxygen around our body. And we have zinc that brings proteins together that need to be associated together to do their functions. But I'm not sure that more is always better. There's <laughs> got to be an, a, a, the right amount. So people often say, take more antioxidants, but you can't take a shed ton of antioxidants and that's always <laughs> better. So I'd be worried that if we tried to turn ourselves into entire zinc, then uh, there might be some problems yeah Matt, you're interested in humanity i'm interested in do we get to be shiny as well <laughs> <laughs> that's very appropriate for a festival so many people in this tent are actually so glittered you're probably magnetic as well <laughs> that's not just your glowing personality i can tell from this though Alan, we've got a wonderful question what has your question gone hold on i've got to give you the microphone though so we can hear it. you've got a question here i was going to ask would it be a big problem if we were magnetic like if it was made out of zinc and zinc's magnetic would it like attract knives and like, <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> spend the whole day on the fridge <laughs> that's a very good point being stabbed is probably not beneficial to our species are we actually going to end up being magnetic by accident so because I add the oxygen to it that actually takes away the kind of magnetic properties of the zinc so we actually change it a lot by adding the oxygen so luckily we wouldn't be going around attracting loads of knives and magnets all towards us um, which is a problem that people often face with pacemakers and things because they've got small Small magazine, they can't go through the big detectors at uh, um, airports. So we'll never be able to MRI again, surely. Is, is well, either. I well, can't either, but it's just my accent, so it can't be helped. <laughs> anyway, we've got to get moving on. So, is that on the short list? What do you reckon? No. <laughs> I've been told to be brutal, so I'm going to start by being brutal. Um, I think uh, there's definitely. 
in the future we're going to have more and more integration with kind of bionic stuff right okay. and it's already started with things like pacemakers but i think we need to be very very clear about you know what the steps are along that way and i don't think we can jump from now to to robots that quickly and so for that reason it's off the shortlist <laughs> okay sorry Marty zink is i yeah <laughs> sorry Although, i'll have a treat. <laughs> I got no chance <laughs> i also got told not to apologize and i've just ruined that so. <laughs> well, it's nice to be nice isn't it but i've got a treat for you at the end so we can see more you're up Haley. what is your idea okay so as i said before my field's cancer research which isn't the most funny area of research so bear with me for five seconds um so Prostate cancer is really prevalent. People in my field say that if you live old enough, you will get it. Obviously, you need a prostate, so it rolls out <laughs> half the room. But so, so <laughs> you did make the, so a lady in the audience just laughed as if she had one in the fridge, just in case, ready to go. I have some in the fridge, but that's not that's my work. <laughs> um, so you know, this can be a problem, and it means that it's really, really prevalent. And although a lot of people die with it rather than of it, because it's not very aggressive, because so many people get it after a certain age, um, the, the chances of dying with it are quite high. So it's, it's 30 people per day in the UK. And um, so I want to get rid of this. And the prostate, we get older, it gets all weird, it gets all minging, it gets really large, all the tissues change. So my idea, and this is totally possible, is that when men get to a certain age, their prostate will shrivel up to about the size of a walnut, and then they have to piss it out through their willies. Wow. And there are two sides to this. One, I like the idea that no more prostate cancer, solved. <laughs> Nobel Prize, thank you very much. And the second one is that men are going to have to go through something very similar to childbirth. <laughs> and that appeals to me. Wow. F ideas fueled by vengeance. No, a no, kind. no. Have you ever had a child? No, <laughs> I just heard it's horrible. Because so, I've had one relatively recently, and actually we were very lucky. It was relatively straightforward and easy, and I, I can say that because my wife isn't here right now. Um, but yeah, it is intense, and I don't want to have to go through that. Although I love the idea of sort of playing what I can only call sort of pinball with my willy. <laughs> you know, whenever you hear something hitting the, the ball with a kind of satisfying ping. I want it to be more painful than that. Oh, I was hoping it would be like a Western saloon where they just spat out some tobacco, you know, something like that. Come on, you've uh, got to ask more about uh, this. Well, I'll be honest, I was I was on board for a while, and then <laughs> there, there was something you said that, uh, that alarmed me, so we'll get on to that in a second. Is there any other way of getting rid of this walnut? Could we could we not break it uh, down into the smaller moment, pieces? Or are you deliberately I deliberately that put that step? in just because that amused me. But um, at the <laughs> moment, actually, prostatectomy, is, removal of the prostate, is done by robots. Um, and it's one of the major treatments. And these robots are incredible. They're like little spiders. They're called Da Vinci robots. And if you Google them, there's some videos of these robots peeling grapes and then sewing them back together. There's wow. also a video of this robot painting a girl's nails. But, you know, scientists will do anything in their spare time. Um, so at the moment, that's actually one of the best treatments. But the problem is, because it's robots, there are lots of nerves around there, and there's obviously the bladder, and you get side effects to do with impotency and urinary problems, but this is my idea. If it shrinks, if it's a biological effect, then it'll be mu you'll get much less like collateral damage. Can it shrink any smaller than a walnut? This is the really... I mean, an but almond... Since we, we do. can do anything right now, and I do want to win this competition, so yeah, <laughs> it can be absolutely tiny. It's on the it'll dissolve. Yeah. <laughs> there, might be, there might be more to this, because actually I'm aware that, say, some treatments for things like gallstones and bladder stones they use ultrasound yeah, to try to and break, break them, them into small yeah, pieces oh, this, yeah. yeah so the, uh, in my university at the moment they're trying that for prostate cancer actually because of this idea that some of them um, are just stay with you and you die with them and some of them get more aggressive what they're trying to do is focal treatment so they put ultrasound 
uh, you do have to have an ultrasound machine put somewhere up your body that my colleague calls the um, anal annihilator. Wow. It's pretty large, it's pretty uncomfortable, but they're trying to make it smaller. But that's the idea, that they treat them with focused ultrasound and almost like get it all hot and it kind of melts away and burns and dies, but it's very focused treatment. I, I do have to ask they you. They do do that now, yeah, it's cool. See, this is fantastic. This is the kind of stuff Zach's shouting. But before we uh, started recording this, I'd, I'd asked Maddie a bit, sorry, I'd, I'd asked Haley a little bit more about this because effectively, I think what you're proposing here is a male menopause. <laughs> I know, we because, did discuss this. Yes. Well, yeah, because if people are dying with, if prostate cancer is. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So prevalent to be nearing a hundred percent if you live long enough, by the signs of it. If you Is live long enough, yeah. Well, so they they did an, uh, one study, so some stats because no scientists we like stats. So there was um, a study of people who died of other diseases over the age of eighty five, um, and it was seventy five percent of them had prostate cancer. So some of them, you know, people kind of put forward that if they'd have lived longer, it would have happened. So why wouldn't it work if, because we, the, the evolution of the menopause is one of the most fascinating things in evolutionary biology, because it's, we're one of the few species that have us. It's the pilot whale, the killer whale, the orca, and the humans that have the menopause, arguably some of the primates. But it seems to be that the point is to allow us to have women who don't have to go through the trauma of childbirth at a point where they're getting older, the bodies are getting frailer, and it could kill them and it keeps them alive long enough for culture. So we are a society, perhaps, that has evolved because of grandmothers. And the research in killer whales shows that grandmothers are the leaders of all the packs, and they're also the best ones at solving crises. So bearing in mind that the menopause is perhaps one of human evolution's greatest tricks, surely applying it to the guys is a good thing as well. (laughs) Well, men do actually... um, like So the, the menopause for women is your hormone levels change. You lose some of those oestrogen. Uh, so the equivalent for the men would be testosterone. That does actually happen. It's very, very, very slow over a period of time. The reason why women get all these symptoms is it's, it's very quick, over a month or two. And um, in our field, again, if some... Because the prostate responds to testosterone, 
often the cancers do as well. So you put men on anti-androgens, which is a drug that removes that testosterone. So we're essentially forcing them through the menopause. They get hot flushes. They get a lot of the symptoms that the women do because we're shortening that time period. Unfortunately, it doesn't work great um, to prevent cancer. And the reason for that is the analogy is um, it's a, a bit like a plant. So if you think your cancer is a plant, and then the fertilizer is testosterone. Mm. So if men have a lot of testosterone, if you know, it's not gonna cause cancer, it won't induce a cancer. But if that cancer is kind of addicted to it, like a fuel, it will keep it to grow. If we then remove that fuel, the plant doesn't die, it just grows, it just grows slower, it evolves to live without it. So yeah, but menopause, if we're talking about testosterone, it kind of is done in the treatment and it does work for a limited time period. So it shocks the cancer that's addicted to this hormone and it slows yeah. its growth, but it doesn't stop it completely. So although, you know, it's a good idea, it wouldn't actually work, I'm afraid. Oh, I was, I was partly asking because um, my, my dad had prostate cancer okay, and they yeah. treated him yeah. by giving him some yeah. of these things and he got hot flushes yeah. and he started telling me he loved me <laughs> and got all emotional and it was great, to be honest. Yeah, so well, I'm all for it. It, it, it makes a... Big, it does actually work. The treatment, work. not you the cancer, by the way. Yeah. Sorry, I should point that out. The <laughs> you, treatment, the treatment does work. It works in the short term and it gives some dramatic effects. And for a long time, actually, the scientific community thought that testosterone caused uh, prostate cancer. So people were getting their testicles cut off and stuff and it just didn't work. And it's, but you know, it, it has shocking effects. It does. That's why people go on it. It gives you, you know, a good number of years. So, um, is this in. It is definitely in, yes. Is it still in if you have to pee out a walnut? <laughs> <laughs> she basically has said you're going through the menopause and childbirth and that's going to beat me. That's going to be devastating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm quite interested in this whole uh, how can we uh, get human beings to, to live longer, right? And th often the problem is that, yeah, we just start breaking down in many ways. And it sounds like this is one of the main ways in which that happens. So in order to, like, to, to achieve that aim, we're going to have to, you know, maybe piss out a walnut. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably drink a lot before I do it, but, you know, take, take one for the, the humanitarian cause. Okay, well, it's, it's in... in. Now, first of all, please give them a huge round of applause. Thank you. Great suggestions there, but I'm sure that our audience here at Green Man Festival can do better. So if you have an idea for improving our species, please get your hand in your air. Becky here will come and help you. There's a chap over there. Can we go to that guy first? Anybody else, stick your hands up and we'll come to you soon as well. Um, and we'll come to you soon. Actually, that's, we'll work left to right, so we'll go your way when the time comes. When we get to, if you please wouldn't mind saying your name uh, and telling us what your idea is. You guys feel free to comment on it. This is your competition as well, bear in mind. Destroy their ideas ruthlessly, okay. So come on, tell us, sir. My name's Bob, Bob Greenwell. Uh, everybody wanders about chattering on their mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and getting lost, uh, losing the phones and not looking where they're going and all the rest of it. And, and people are addicted to their phones. What I want to see is, can we not have a, a chip or something just planted in our brain so you don't, you don't have to lose anything and you can just sit there and think about talking to other people and contact the world computer and get online just in your head. And it would take away all the problems with all the hardware. 
So maybe even the zinc problem as well, I don't know. Can I, can I clarify this to get into a sort of sentence? Are you wanting a computer in the brain so that we can talk to everybody forever? Is it a mobile phone in the head? Well, yeah, kind of, well, everything as well. Everything your phone can do, get online, you know, talk to other computers, talk to other people, anything you want. How do you upgrade? Well, that's the problem. You might have to have your head opened up, maybe. <laughs> so we're talking to direct brain-to-computer-to-brain anyway, anyway, brain interface. Upgrades are all software-based nowadays, anyway. What, what worries me is drunk dialing. <laughs> At least with a phone, I can lose it in my handbag. I cannot do the unlock thing. If I just... I think some really strange things after I've had too many beers. I don't want everyone knowing about that. The amount of stuff you'd buy on eBay as well. <laughs> I think I'd love playing solitaire during meetings. <laughs> oh, awesome. Just like kind of switch off a bit and just, just play, catch some Pokemon. Like, like right now? Just, just That's really, okay, so hold on. So I'm gonna check we've got this right. Bob's idea is that we need to have a direct brain to computer to brain interface for some kind of, it's effectively telepathy that you're building here as well <laughs> as a means of going online constantly. Who would be a Mac and who would be a Windows? You know, would we have two kind of <laughs> types of people? Windows. <laughs> Do you know, I can't believe the audience here shouted Windows, meaning that they're... <laughs> Presumably, oh. we're all Linux, right? It's like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is the weirdest heckle I've ever had. <laughs> if somebody shouts Unix, that is a... Well, that's, that's what we're... <laughs> that's yeah. a very particular type of geek that we have here, but we're all, we're all one. This is good. Look, the, the reason why... So, actually, first of all, Jack, is this on the shortlist? Well, I'm, I'm worried that this is beyond levelling up a human. This is getting rid of the human. Are we, are we going to even need our bodies if we're just an internet-connected network of, of kind of brains? Live on the internet, exactly. The body's useless now, right? It's just wearing you down. You've got this whole walnut issue going on. <laughs> so get, we do, we do have to ask on the air, because if the audience at home, you might not have heard that, uh, one of our uh, volunteers here has shouted that we could live on the internet which is a sign that he's only seen a certain side to the internet. I do not want to live in the comments section. <laughs> <laughs> or the sidebar of shame. Come on. <laughs> the, the internet does not necessarily bring out the best in humanity. Should we be more ambitious? Well, we're we thinking about the internet as well, thinking about advertising. Are people going to be advertising directly into our brains and we've got no kind of... Listen to level up human. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just good podcast advertisements. That'd be fine. Uh, I think it's... I don't know. It just about shaves it onto the... Uh, onto the shortlist. Okay, then we can come back to that later. Please, sure. our next guest. Give him a round of applause, though, first. Thank you, Bob. Hiya, Simon Watt here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I just want to tell you about some of the things that we got coming up. We're heading back to Latitude Festival. If you're there, come see us in the Speakeasy tent on Sunday the 16th of July from about 8 o'clock. We'll be joined by Stuart Goldsmith, an incredible comedian who also runs the Comedians Comedian podcast. Um, check it out. It's kind of like a audio textbook for how to do stand-up comedy. He talks to many of the best comedians around the country and world. We're also joined by Dr. Giles Yu from Cambridge University. He's a neuroscientist who studies brain control of body wit. And we're also joined by Anna Plojaski. Um, she's a PhD student and she also runs the Real Talk podcast. Give it a listen. Until then, see you soon. Back to the podcast. Yeah, what's your name and what's your idea? Hiya, my name's Lucy. Maybe we could just modify our collective personalities to remove ego. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that got, a, that got a round of applause. I want to ask why, though, and what have you done that you're so ashamed of? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where to start. You know, is this the forum? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we've got half an hour, so feel free. Well, they um, don't consider this to be one giant coach. These are not your, uh, your psych or therapist in this case. But, but why? Why is removing ego so important to you? 
Um, well, I suppose we could probably tackle global problems more if we could think as a global society rather than think about our own personal interests. So if we removed our egos, or maybe reduced them a bit, I don't know if we'd want to remove <laughs> them totally. Uh, but uh, yeah, if we reduce them a bit, then maybe we'd be able to work together a little bit better to solve our problems. What do you think, panel? I don't know one scientist without an ego. Yeah, I was going to say, every single bus I've ever yeah. had. <laughs> and every every single funding application finishes with, this will change the world. <laughs> and it very rarely does, to be honest. So we need a little bit of ego to get money for science. Imagine no Trump, that be great. Imagine no Trump. <laughs> hey. That is true. Um, Greater good. Yeah, good point. By the way, we don't release these uh, podcasts in sequence, so this could be out in six months when the world has ended. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, this is a good point. Uh, Jack, why... Because um, actually, the thing I'm really wondering about here, and I'd love to see what you think, is that if we're going to remove the ego, following the kind of classical Freudian ideas of psychology, that leaves only the id and the, maybe the superego. So it's just shame and shagging, more or less. <laughs> and although that is a winning combination... <laughs> Usually in the other order, yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you think about this? Is this on the shortlist, Lucy's idea? I don't think you can make it because I think the, I mean, the idea of reducing it slightly seems like a dream that will be that will be unaccomplishable, right? If we got rid of it entirely, I think it'd be very weird. Now I am aware this seems very weird, sitting on a stage talking to a room of people and going, yeah, we should get rid of the ego. I think reducing it a little bit is is, is possibly a very good idea in certain Trump-like cases. But I do worry that we'd just be left, uh, you know, in a pool of individual self-pity and <laughs> then we'd get nothing achieved because we wouldn't believe that we could do it, right? I think we need quite a lot of ego we, um, to solve some of the big problems of humanity because we need to believe that we can do it and that collectively as human beings we can accomplish these goals. And I think that's quite a big-headed attitude, but I think that can be quite a good thing, so it doesn't make the short list. I'm going to push you a bit further here just because you got me, me curious because I'm a biologist, as are you, and, and uh, we all know that ants are the best thing in the world and it would be better if they were our giant overlords in many ways. But ants are Entirely nature's tiny little anarchists, actually. Yeah. The, the order is emergent. So do we actually need leaders? Is there something about humans and our species? I'm not saying that we don't need leaders. I think we need to work together in a lot of the cases. But well, I'm arguing against you. I'm saying, do we? I'd, <laughs> I'd like to get rid of the leaders, maybe. Is this, a, is this controversial or is it unobtainable and stupid? No, I, think that, I don't think that's stupid at all, but I, don't, I think that's a different point. Okay. I think collectively as a team we need to believe that we can do stuff and I think that involves some people having certain skills and believing in those skills. Actually, by whipping Green Man, um, <laughs> do you think there's any hope? <laughs> okay, that might tell you the answer. No, so if we had more ego, you're suggesting that our panel here would have faith in humans that we could actually change and solve our situation? I'm not suggesting more ego, I'm just saying not no ego. Not no ego. Okay, well, I'm sorry it's not on the shortlist any, Lucy. Give her a big round of applause. Hello, could you please tell us your name and what your idea is? I am Jonah. Hello, Jonah. Hello. My idea would have, like, a pill that would make you more honest, maybe use it in court cases or something, just, like, to make, like, to, like, make your mind sound, like, not entirely, maybe not come out of your mouth, but like just have this like, I do not think this. Or so you're saying you want uh. enforced 
honesty. <laughs> Do you think your parents where, would use on you? <laughs> well, actually, more important, where is this child's parents? Are they in this room? <laughs> okay, can we get the microphone There's to that, moment. Lindy? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in the audience there has just shouted, it's called alcohol. I don't know if alcohol makes you more, uh, as an Irishman, I cannot say it makes you more honest. More aggressive, maybe. To be honest, I don't love all the people I say that I love when uh, I've been drinking. <laughs> well, it's a certain level of drinking. I think you have to go through I love you drunk to get to I hate you drunk, or <laughs> sometimes the other way around. Also, I don't know if we have any uh, neurologists or neuroscientists, but from what I know, actually your brain lies to you a lot. And most of your memories you have, you can't be trusted, and they're starting to see that in court cases and stuff, uh, the judges and stuff and the, the lawyers can plant ideas in your brain because you only see a snapshot of your life at all times. When it puts itself together in the back of your head at the end of every day, it can do it wrong, and it does it quite often wrong. So okay. I don't know if they're releasing all these ideas. This is a fantastic work. point. Probably, Jonah, we had to tell you the biggest lies that you tell yourself, particularly as you get older, are the ones that you tell yourself, which is why you <laughs> persist in a career, which means that you're playing small festivals all the time. And you know, it's, it's what keeps us going. Now, madam, please, can you tell us your name? Tasha. And what relationship are you to Jonah? I'm his mummy. And is there anything you want to take this opportunity to tell Jonah? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's best I don't take the pill. <laughs> you think it's best you don't take the pill? Yeah. When is a little white lie a useful thing? Um, I think sometimes you can um, help save people's feelings, Jonah, <laughs> if you don't tell the truth all the time. He is a very truthful boy, though, it has to be said. Aww. He feels quite strongly about it. <laughs> don't awe the child. Don't patronise him. He's got a fantastic idea for improving our species. Jack, give him some advice. Why should he lie? Because I think lying's great. I'm totally on board with Jonah. I, I think this would be painful for everybody initially, right? We'd hurt people's feelings, and but then we'd get our feelings hurt back. And I think we'd get, res you know, we'd build up a thicker skin over time. And I think for court cases and stuff, it'd be great for the things Haley said. We'd actually get recollections, recollections of what actually happened, and we wouldn't be manipulated by other people who perhaps don't have our best interests at heart. I think it's a great idea, but I do think that Jonah should tell us something very honest in order to get this onto the shortlist. So. <laughs> What's Again, your most this, difficult truth, Jonah? This is not therapy or confession. <laughs> and actually, again, I'm, I'm going to boycott this because I think there's some things I don't want to know about him already. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way, Jonah. And you're, and you're the best guest we have. Please give Jonah and Tash a huge round of applause. Thank you very much. Now, those are fantastic ideas from our audience here at Green Man. Uh, I'm going to give you a final suggestion from Mother Nature herself, and it comes from this creature here. Jack, can you please describe that to our audience at home? What are we looking at here? Okay, well, it looks like uh, a squashed um, fruit, I'd say. Something like a passion fruit with some red and white stripes. It's like a fruit of Christmas. It's got some tinsel around the outside, and then it's been stepped on. This is a fantastic creature. It's called a chiton or a chitin. I think both versions are completely allowed. And uh, I have to be honest, I, I picked this one partly because I thought you'd really love it, Maddie. It has got some of the hardest teeth in the world. They think possibly the hardest material. It's made from magnetite, um, which would mean that you can munch through any cereal bar, no matter how metallic it is. Good, good. Um, and it would mean that you're pretty much... Because these materials that you're having to make of Martha require an awful lot of energy yep. and an awful lot of technique. Mm -hmm. And we found something in nature which is doing this kind of laying down atom by atom of this material already. So, Jack, would you like to steal super metal proper jaws-like teeth? Yeah, sure. I don't see a downside. <laughs>
<laughs> Take so that, experts. Nature yeah. beat you there, all right? Let's just do it. Yeah, well, if you're, you know, you're just kissing and you accidentally do some damage if they're that hard. Well, I am a or passionate you, you kisser. <laughs> you fall on your face and they just <laughs> shoot through your brain out the other side. Oh, so yes, hard. there was a downside, you're right. Uh, See, there you go. All <laughs> these it's always more complicated, isn't it? And all the stereotypes people have about scientists and you learn that they're a bit bitey kissers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, Jack, you've got quite a few to choose from here. You can only take one motion forward every episode, so uh, you're not going to take Maddie's suggestion. Do you? Are you going to go for Haley's idea of peeing out your prostate? Are we going to go for Bob's idea of a brain-to-brain interface with the internet? Uh, Jonah's idea of an honesty pill? Or finally, super magnetite teeth of a chitin? I think Jonah's our winner today. Jonah's like our winner. Pill. Fantastic. Jonah, please give him a round of applause. Jonah, please honestly tell us, how do you feel? Um, I'm pretty happy I've just won that, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Is there anything you want to confess? Uh, but that's the fourth competition I've won this festival. The fourth competition? <laughs> wow! Well, so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take that idea, we're going to take it forward, and we're going to try and introduce it to our species whenever we get the chance. Before we go, though, I want you to give a huge round of applause to our wonderful guests. We've had Jack Hale, the comedian, we've had Maddie Coke, we've had Haley Pye, and the wonderful audience here at Green Man Festival. This has been Level Up You, and I'm your host, Simon Watt. Thank you, and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.